Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Rise. As always, I am Matthew, aka The Deadly Showman, and to this episode today, I am joined by Andy, and if you listen to our last episode, she is known as aka Rocket Lines. Hello. Uh, Matt Cantor does a much better job of introducing this podcast than I do. Uh (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. We're going to get her to guys. We're going to make her do an intro one time. I tried to force her to do it now. She did it pretty good, but I'm going to, one of these days. You're going to do the intro and we're going to use it. Also, sorry for doxing you just now. You're probably going to have to edit that out. <laughs> Honestly, like if you wanted to, if you tried hard enough, you'd find my last name. That's that's not hidden at all. That's true. That's true. No, no, no. But uh, I don't I don't know if you understand that whenever I mention you to my friends, like I can't just call you Matt. I have to call you by your full name. Like, n- like no cap. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, you're always, you know, Matt, insert last name here. <laughs> I wonder what that could be. Let's rewind like 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Just bleep it out. Just bleep it out. It's fine. No, um, but I think it's because in college, people would just call you by your last name. Was there like another Matt? I think there was. There was Matt Ostromsky, who I am. Uh, No one one knows who he is. Whoa, that sounds horrible. No, people know who Matt, Matt, if you're listening to this, people know who you are. I'm talking about like random people. Gosh, uh, this Matt Ostromsky dislocated his hip. Uh, He would eat. He was on a keto diet, I think. He ate like three tubs of yogurt a day, I heard. Like, don't get me, like, like I. he told me this in my kitchen. He was like, my cholesterol is great. I eat three tubs of yogurt a day, like plain non-fat Greek yogurt. And then he eats like three dozen eggs for breakfast or something. That dude was jacked. Matt was jacked. I like Matt. No, he was jacked. Yeah. He, he was very soft-spoken. He was very, very nice guy. Absolutely. To me. To me. <laughs> it was nice. I had never met a single person he was mean to. I Not yeah. one person had a bad thing to say about him. Anyway, Matt Stremski, great guy. End of that segment. That's That was definitely on our list of things to talk about today. <laughs> well, <laughs> today today's topic, what we're going to get into is finding your motivation and inspiration, both for the content Andy and I make and just kind of in our daily lives because our content, while it is very personal to us, is very separate from the lives we're currently leading because... Well, this is called The Rise because we're both young content creators on the rise. We're not big yet. Maybe one day, hopefully, but not right now. Andy, are, are you big? Are you lying to me? Have you been famous this whole time? Yes. I I'm knew sorry it. to say. I knew it. I knew <laughs> I'm, it. I'm uber famous. Uh, I have my own uh, water bottles that, are, that have my face on them. Uh, you can get them for a nice uh, separate shipping handling price of nineteen ninety five uh, over four different payments. If you would like my water bottle with my face on it, <laughs> I have milk cartons with my face on it. No, that's so horrible. <laughs> oh God! If you don't know what that means, you're too young, and you probably should have your face on a milk carton as well. Okay, I gotta stop. I need to stop. Oh man, wait, do people not have milk cartons anymore? Do young people not know? I don't think, for those who don't know, in the old days, they used to put missing kid photos on milk cartons because everybody would buy milk. So it was like everyone would see the missing child. I don't think they really do that anymore because we have pretty damn good technology. I don't even think they did that when we were kids. Like you're talking like an old man, Matthew. All right, listen, listen, listen. I am a boomer at heart, okay? And no one can take that away from me. But so the content Andy and I are dealing with is very different. So we're both going to have to unpack it a little differently. But speaking of that content, we had to talk about this before we jumped in. Our last episode was a zombie apocalypse episode. Great episode. Go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. But so obviously you do all the editing. We're uploading it to our feed. 
and you need to give your podcast a title. So I decided this was all this was all me, and you'll understand why that makes why that's important in a second. I gave it the title What to Expect When You're Expecting the Zombie Apocalypse. And Andy, do you want to tell them why that's wild that I came up with that title? Oh, oh man. So uh so I never I've never talked to you about my books iterations. Like I, I have gone through like four or five different characters and their plots and the reasons behind it. Like I've never sent you anything before, right? Uh and so I I was talking to you before this podcast and I I looked at the titles. I hadn't actually seen the title of the last like the zombie apocalypse podcast. And I kid you not, I was like, how the fuck did he get the name from my book? <laughs> this- <laughs> Like, I, I didn't have a title for my book, but that was going to be the title. I shit you not, people. I, I came up with that title. I did not talk with Andy about this. I was just like, eh, I'm just going to get it up online. That's a pretty good title. I'm sure she'd be happy with that. Clearly, she'd be happy with that. We did not communicate at all. And, like We both had the exact same idea for a zombie apocalypse theme piece of literature title. Yeah, yeah and like I... I don't even remember if I mentioned that word in the podcast, but like, I remember saying, oh yeah, look, I have this this almanac of the apocalypse that I've come up with my book, like come up with my book. Here you go. And I threw it at the Google doc that we have. And I was like, look, we can just look through here, all of the information that we need about whatever. And I copy pasted a bunch of stuff, but, but like, that was, that was the what to expect when you're expecting the apocalypse book. (laughs) I just like, Put that into the podcast and this is it's bizarre oh my god thank you thank you so much for mentioning that that's so funny i completely forgot we were gonna we were gonna no, talk about that that was too wild a coincidence to not like talk about like talk like you said be talk about being on the same wavelength like really talk about being on the same wavelength yeah honestly like uh, honestly you can come up with my book title if you want you can have you can have what you expect when you're expecting the zombie apocalypse uh because that that's like you know second iteration after like five so i don't even think it it is the name anymore uh but yeah it's just so funny i know funny enough i looked online i wanted to make sure i wasn't stealing that because that seems like too good a title <laughs> i sh- no, no no i typed into google i was like surely i'm gonna get like a book back or a different podcast title this returned nothing what i got a lot of was what to expect when you're expecting which i'm sure i've thoroughly confused google at this point about who i am <laughs> But there was like <laughs> nothing titled that. Like it's such a good title. How has no one used that yet? So long. Like what? Uh, I sent I sent you a picture earlier of all of my revisions for my word documents, and one of them was titled that. But as you saw, it was way too long. So I had been shortening to it to like W two E. But even then, like it doesn't look nice. And on top of that, you would think that it would be a zombie apocalypse about like a person who finds out they were pregnant before the apocalypse and now they have to go through the entire thing which if you listen to the last podcast you will know my thoughts on pregnancy and the apocalypse it's it's a book killer quite literally like you should not be pregnant in the apocalypse i swear uh but you know kudos to whoever survived and become pregnant in the apocalypse if there is one Congratulations. Uh, does this count as an apocalypse does this count as an apocalypse there's a lot of celebrities that are currently popping out kids because they have nine months to spare uh i think this technically classifies as the plague yes we were looking for uh, the plague very nice okay cool please come uh, see anyway. us when the buildings are burning then we'll have an apocalypse
Yeah, yeah, then we will actually be relevant. Oh my gosh, we'll be attending. <laughs> but anyway, so we just wanted to put, we wanted to talk about that because it was too funny. But like I said, the main topic today is finding your motivation and your inspiration because where you tend to get that for your, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, Andy, go for it. Trying to zombies are my inspiration. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say anything. It's okay. But okay. well, as I was saying, where you tend to find your inspiration for your content is generally, and your motivation, at least for me, and I think Andy would say the same, it's a little bit different than where you find your motivation and your inspiration in life. Because you can make the argument that your content is an extension of your life, but it, yes, but yes, but actually no. You know what I mean? But yes, no. But yeah, but no. Yeah, so what we want to start off first with is our content, like, because the reasons we make our content are, that are specific to us are generally different than why we're living life the way we're living life. So, Andy, I'm going to start with you. And you are allowed to talk as much as you want. So, Andy, for you, your content is quite literally a book that you're writing. The first question I want to ask is, when you are motivated or inspired to create content, usually you can point to someone or something and say, you, or that, that's the reason I'm doing it. For you, I'm going to ask, who is that influencer for you? Or that, I'm assuming they're a writer, and how have they influenced you to begin writing this book? Have they influenced your writing style? I'm guessing they've had a big impact on your motivation. Break it down for me. Who's influencing you, motivating you, and why? Oh, gosh. Um, so there are a lot of different influences that I have, and there isn't a specific writer that I can point to that I'm saying, oh, yes, this is the one that I get my motivation from or get my inspiration from. I think that I'm an avid reader. I read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of different writing styles. Yeah, I, write, I read a lot of independent novels online, and so, you know, I've always been creative growing up. Uh, I I come up with stories in my head. And so when I read these, uh, a lot of different authors, a lot of different just excerpts of, you know, no sleep podcasts, like no sleep stories, uh, you know, just anything that is on the internet, I find myself either critiquing or admiring uh, a bunch of different writing styles and thinking like how I could do that, how I could potentially just like put that towards whatever craft I'm doing. Um, so with regards to like different writers or different writing styles that motivate me, um, it definitely is just like an amalgamation of what I think would sound good um, if I write it. Um, but I think back to the main point of inspiration or motivation, I don't have a specific person or a specific author that I'm trying to be like, because I kind of have my own style and I don't think I need to like aspire to be like a specific author because I think that that's setting myself up for failure because I'm never going to be that person. And so instead, what motivates me is like, uh, it's going to sound super you know, dreamlike, but uh, I visited a city that I absolutely love. And it's not even the city, it's Bethesda. And uh, I don't know if you've ever visited Bethesda, but it's definitely like kind of yuppie uh, there's a lot of different really good boutiques. There's a lot of good coffee. And it's basically like mini uptown Seattle, but in Maryland. And every single time I go there, I'm instantly re-motivated because I want to live there. I want to live close to home. I want to walk to Phil's Coffee. I want to, to go to anthropology casually. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a place that has a specific vibe for me that is just something I want to live in. And it's because of that that I'm like, ah, oh, yes, if I were to write my book, if I were to, you know, do this craft and become really good at it, 
something that I can work from home doing. And I guess, you know, we can't really talk about work from home anymore since everyone's doing it. But uh, back when work from home wasn't really an option, writing a book was something to get me to come to Bethesda. And so Bethesda is always like a, uh, every time I want motivation, I'll go to Bethesda, get a coffee and say, yes, I want to live here. And in order to live here, I need to publish a book. Uh, and I don't know how that kind of came to my head, but in my head, I'm like, Bethesda equals writing a book, therefore write a book. And so uh, that's kind of how I get my motivation to actually do content creation. I say that's pretty good motivation. You could either write a book or if you're Alex, you can go to med school and let the army pay for it. <laughs> what? Yeah, you, Alex and Kat live in Bethesda. Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, my gosh. Wait, is he Navy? Because the Navy Academy's there. No, he's army. Oh, army. You just said army. Because yeah. uh, the... Actually, it's so interesting. Another motivator is that Bethesda, not only like richest capita, so, you know, aspire to be rich, doesn't everyone, uh, but Bethesda is considered the, to have the most handsomest, sorry, sorry, Bethesda is considered to have the most handsome men in the entire United States. Like, whatever county Bethesda's in is considered to have the most beautiful men. Alex, and I think I it's hope- I hope, I hope you're listening to this right now, Alex. You better be listening to this. Yeah, you're not taking advantage of all the beautiful men that live in Bethesda, Alex. How Alex, take advantage of the beautiful men, okay? <laughs> but yeah, that's another motivator. You know, just like, I can do through all my career stuff and then got myself a trophy husband. That's another motivator. <laughs> uh, a little Navy boy. Let's go. <laughs> But yeah, uh, not to disrespect the Navy, uh, but yeah, so just, there's a lot of motivators, men, coffee, <laughs> smell of Bethesda, which is not a dumpster fire like like other parts of Maryland. Uh, <laughs> a nice non-dumpster fire smell would be nice. Dare you disrespect, not who are we kidding? I lived in Maryland for four years, you're right. Actually, for Christmas this year, I got Essence of Maryland in a candle. Do you want to know the notes? Do you want to know the notes? I'm ready to tell you the notes. There better be notes of crab in there, but continue. Oh, most definitely. No, the notes. Okay, so the top notes are bay, cumin, and nutmeg. The mid notes are cinnamon, thyme, and ginger. And the base notes are tonka bean, vanilla, and musk. I feel like the musk comes from the dumpster fires, but... You know, I can't be too sure. <laughs> huh. Someone out how, there how bo- someone out there bottled the essence of Maryland and put it in a candle. Apparently it smells just like Annapolis, according to my parents. Uh okay, I know it's so off, off topic, but apparently Ohio is scentless as a candle. Like they forgot Ohio and they just they just came up with oh, essence of Ohio, but it doesn't have any scent. Ooh, burn. <laughs> Ohio, the scentless state. Now that we've firmly established that Maryland has its essence in a candle and Ohio has absolutely no scent, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a bit of talking here. <laughs> as far as, so obviously your creative, uh, your content creation is writing, publication, authoring. Mine obviously is gaming videos on YouTube. I keep talking about Twitch. I don't know why I don't do it. That's a different story to unpack. But as far as where my inspiration is coming from, I can definitely point to a few creators who gave me that initial like, I want to be like you, not copy, but be like you. And they would be, uh, one guy's name is Muselk. He is an Australian content creator. He got his start doing a lot of TF2 stuff. Um, Then he moved on to some Overwatch stuff. And now he's pretty much not exclusively a Fortnite YouTuber, but he's kind of trapped with Fortnite. 
Uh, that's something else to unpack. But he, in the peak days of Fortnite, that's where I got into him. One of the funniest guys I'd ever listened to in my whole life. I, I loved consuming his content. And he kind of led me to uh, a bigger group known as, well, they actually ended up forming a big group known as Click. It's a lot of Australian content creators. Yeah, The way they make videos, I really like. It's almost like a mini movie. Like the way their transitions work, the way they add in their audio, their commentary, what their videos actually contain. Like uh, it's a lot of stupid little strategies. Or like one guy, like they both played Minecraft and had Minecraft series, but the way they approached it was... There's like Minecraft pros who like could get to the Ender Dragon in 30 minutes and they had to struggle their way there. And as someone who just did that for the first time himself, I just beat the Ender Dragon in Minecraft. I can so get behind what they were doing and I loved everything about it. So as far as the creators who, they're the reason I'm doing this now, they would be the ones. It would be starting with Muselk and a lot of the Click crew, if anyone knows who they are. So I have a question for you, Mr. Matt. Yes. Um, Mr. Deadly Showman, sir. Which which content creator? Which continent creator? No. Which content creator inspired you to build your melon farm? That would be, <laughs> that would be there is only one, and his name is Laserbeam. He is he's also Australian. He's part of the Click Crew. He's got like 15 million subscribers on YouTube, probably more at this point. I, I'm probably misquoting that number. But his like one of his shticks was he made a massive melon farm because what you could do is you can mine the melons to sell to the villagers for emeralds. And once you have that, like you're playing the stonk market and you never have to mine for diamonds or anything again. So stonks. 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 That's one of my favorite memes. I love the stonk meme. Oh my God. But anyway. Just send that to me whenever you're just like, Andy, stonks. Stonks. (laughs) You're going to make me laugh through this whole thing. But like he was like, I was like, hmm. I need a melon farm. I need to be just like him. I do plan to make my melon farm bigger than his melon farm. I'm just saying it's not a competition, but I'm going to win. I wonder if that can be a world record. Just like world's largest Minecraft melon farm. That's going to be mine. I'm sorry, ladies and <laughs> but it's going to be mine. I'm a winner. <laughs> I'm number one. He could be number two. Okay. What if, wait, what if you just, oh, sorry, I'm going to get into computer science about that, but like you could totally just make a melon farm generator, Boo. Uh, but it wouldn't be the same. Boo, not the same. Do it by hand. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, but so those, those guys, those are the content creators that really motivate me. Then as far as I guess where the intrinsic motivation goes is I love laughter. I love comedy. I love that feeling of elation. I said this, I think, in the very first podcast episode, the one with Tarouche. I want other people to feel that way. Obviously, not everyone is going to like my content, find it funny, or want to consume it. But for those that do, they are the ones who I'm making it for. I want them to laugh and have as much joy as I have watching these other creators or the same amount of laughter and joy I have while making while making the content itself. And then this ought to get a little corny, I'd say. But one more person who may push me over the edge to actually do it Funny enough, Andy, was you. So me? I don't, yeah. know if you, I don't know if you recall, but uh, I visited Andy in Seattle the better part of, oh my God, maybe a year and a half ago now. It before was, yeah, the, a year and a half ago. Yeah, before, it was before COVID, before all that stuff. We were chilling, we were talking, and she was like, uh, we were talking about like just doing like, not your New Year's resolution, but just like a goal for yourself. And it's like, what would you do? You asked me what I'd do. I said, I, I think I'd make like a... Uh, Video, like gaming videos, like for YouTube. He's like, you should go for it. And it took me almost a year to finally do it. But I think one day I was sitting at Berkeley, like early 2020, before the pandemic hit. And I was looking at, I think, uh, capture cards on Amazon. 
I just kept hovering over like the add to cart button. I kept chickening out like, nah, it's too much money. Am I really going to do it? I don't want to buy it and just like do it one time and then put it to waste. And I think at one point I was like doing that something. I was on Amazon. I was looking at it. And I just recalled that conversation we had. Like, what would you do? I'd make content. I said, you know what? I have all this free time. Like as a student, like it was a master's student, but you're always going to have more free time as a student. I've come to learn that as a working individual, I may never get the chance to try doing this again. I'm just going to do it. I added to cart. It was there, I think, within two days. And I think maybe a week later after I had all set up, I made my first Minecraft. I'm not my first Minecraft video. My first video, it was a Fortnite video with some friends. I didn't even tell them I was making a video. I just did it. No editing experience. No online presence experience. No I had to make sure I was afraid to like use copyrighted music. So I was scouring the internet for like copyright free stuff, which I found on YouTube. And that's pretty, I was all she wrote. I've literally been making content ever since then. Not as fast. I've slowed down a bit because I'm more busy now, but you played no small part, Andy, in leading me to making con- gaming content for YouTube. I, I really feel so do. honored. And I do thank you for that because this is some of the most fun I've ever had with it. That's awesome. That's such a great story, especially because I'm in it. <laughs> the best type of story. Yeah. Oh man, I, I I don't think I have anything as heartfelt as what you've been saying. And yeah, uh, I can say like Bethesda's motivator. But if we're getting to like inspiration, uh, I can talk about like my history with writing books and like creating stories. Because you know, I I can create content, but content has always been like a a side effect of being a part of the internet. It's never been something that I've made a concerted effort towards. And it's always been something that I can fall, like not even fall back on, but something that could come naturally to me if I wanted to spend time on it. But writing itself is something that I've definitely had to set aside time and devoted myself to doing it if I want to get it done. And that that's always like hard hurdle to get over. And so uh, with my history of creating stories, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the Google Drive. I'm sure I've sent you pictures of all the folders, but... I think I've had I- I've created like at least ten to twelve stories, like full plots with characters and love and feelings uh, since 2015, and I I haven't written any of them, but they're there, I swear. And so for me, the hurdle is not like, oh man, I got to add it to my cart. Oh man, I got to do it because I'm always like creating stories in my head. Recently, you know, I've you know I've been writing that zombie book, but. You know, I haven't had the motivation to write about gore. And so, you know, I've been reminiscing about Harry Potter because, you know, it's Christmas time. Obviously, that means Harry Potter. And so I've been like thinking, oh, man, what if I wrote a magic series? And so I've been like spitballing a magic series. And all of a sudden, I have a Google Drive folder about magic. (laughs) So, you know, like it just kind of falls into place uh, if it's an intriguing enough story. but what really gets the add to cart moment for me is actually writing out the scene and figuring out what the characters say and the intent behind everything. Once I actually make my document in Word look like it's a book page, that's when I'm like, oh man, I'm committed. It's serious. And so uh, I've always been afraid to like commit to stuff, not because of like I'm afraid it'll be bad, but I never stay intrigued enough or interested enough in what I'm doing to see it to the end and I'm not sure if you've ever tried writing a like anything before aside from like an essay but you know how we're always like oh man 2,000 words that's going to take me weeks well like if you think about it an entire book if you want to do a novel that's 50,000 words like or more like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone 75,000 words 
And oh. that's so many words. I never like, knew that, actually. Too many words. Yeah, but I mean, I read, how many words are you? 10,000 words in 13 minutes sometimes? Like, that's the fastest I've read uh, a thing. So, like, that, that means nothing to me. But writing it out, just to get to, like, the 20,000 words is taking me, like, two months. And it's not even legitimate content. It's, like, summary. But the fact that I've written that amount of words or the, that amount of content means that now I have the inspiration and motivation of, I've done enough work for this. So it's, like, uh, what's it called? It's the, the guilt of, I've done enough work for it that I have to see it through to the end. It's, like, survivor's guilt, but for things that you've done before. Uh, I, don't, there, I don't know what it's called. There's a negative term called sunk cost. That generally implies- Sunk cost. Sunk that, cost fallacy. That's it. That's got negative connotations. Sunk cost is like, uh, you can't detach yourself from something because you've put too much, too many resources into it. This is like positive sunk cost. I don't know what the proper term is. Like, I have finally put this much time and resources into it. Now I feel motivated to actually put the remaining resources in. Yes, exactly. And so that's what's come up with this, you know, what to expect when you're expecting the apocalypse, which is not the name of it anymore. Thank you, Matthew. Honestly, uh, I will t- t- use that title still. I'm not, our podcast is not that big, Andy. I guarantee not- you, only like two, maybe two dozen people be like, wait a minute, they have the same title. <laughs> maybe just for you, I'll name it that. Um but no, I, the plot has changed too much. There isn't even an almanac anymore. It's different. It's a different book. No, but um, no, just like in, like the inspiration that I need is I wrote a scene or I've written a scene and now the validation behind it. Every like, I'm pretty sure two weeks ago when I finally wrote the first three paragraphs that I'm like, yes, this is the first three paragraphs of my book. I swear, I sent it to you and I'm like, give me validation, please. And you're like, here's validation, Andy. And I'm like, thank you. I'm going to write three more paragraphs and then send them over to you. Like, yeah, I, like very small increments. It was well earned about Like there was good. Like, yes, it's only three paragraphs. Like how good could three paragraphs be? You might say like, no, like it felt like the beginning of a novel. Ah, uh, it's uh, that's the inspiration right there. Those words. Uh, I mean, it sounds super corny, I guess, but having someone say, "Yeah, I really like this. Can you keep writing it?" That's the only motivation I need. Uh, and I think that like I, you mentioned that I mentioned this in the podcast. So like when I was originally writing the like first few iterations of what I wanted this book to be, I wrote a scene, sent it to my high school friends, now ex girlfriend, who I do not know. Like, I don't know her, but I wanted to be nice to this, uh, you know, my friend's current girlfriend. And so I sent her a scene from the book, the first scene I ever wrote. She read it and she critiqued it, but then she was like, oh my gosh, like, you need to send me the first chapter when you're done. Like, you need to keep sending each other, send me updates. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so, like, I don't know her. I haven't <laughs> talked to her since. But just her telling me that she wanted to read more, that's all I need. Just, just keep just keep commenting. Keep telling me that you keep telling me you love me. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep giving you stuff. Uh, honestly, you're, that's all you're probably going to get from me. I'll be brutally honest. If I read something I'm not a fan of, I'll tell you, but I have a feeling yeah. it's going to be good. Like in the yeah. grand scheme of things. You know, if I were a mature writer, which I'm not, I'd be like, constructive criticism is, is the best kind of criticism, but I'm not. And it's going to hurt my feelings. Don't. <laughs> me mad, me sad. No, that's actually, a, here's a really interesting point to pivot into my next question. So you're going to write this book. I'm not even going to say, let's say you write this book. You're writing this book. Currently, uh, yes. It comes out. This is your first time publishing something as a young author. Fingers crossed, 
this thing goes sells like wildfire. That would be my hope for you. But let's say the sales are low, or maybe even worse, people are reviewing and saying this is uh, no, not good, bad book. How would you react to that? What would be your response if oh, you start getting no. like low <laughs> I didn't sales? Know you'd or- ask me this question. Oh no! Oh God, I'd hate it. Oh no! Why? Oh gosh. Okay, so in a mature mindset, I'd be like, you know. All criticism and constructive feedback is welcome, but I'm not, I'd be sad. So I guess now my question is, how do I get back up? First of all, I hopefully was smart enough to not put my own name out there and I would have a pen name so that I can hide behind my pen name in shame. I'm not mature enough, but, uh, you know, if I wanted to create more content, I'd probably change names or I would just put out more content anyway. As long as I still have a way to publish a book and I have a story to put out there, all I really need is like one person telling me that they want me to write it. I think like like I said earlier, if someone says, please tell me the next chapter, that's all I really need. When I was growing up and I would read, you know, Quizilla fan fictions or whatever, because, uh, you know, I was 13 and alone. And uh, there was this one girl who wrote really bad fiction. It was so bad. Uh, but I befriended her because I was like, me too. And, <laughs> and, and so I, uh, she was a 16-year-old amputee from Canada, allegedly. That was when the internet was not safe. Still not, but even more so. Like, there was no way to validate who you were via Instagram. And uh, there was this one flamer. And they were called flamers, where they were intentional bulliers where they would come onto some content and they would say what was bad about it and not be constructive. They would just say, this is shit, you're a terrible writer, etc. They were called like flamers. And I just remember like talking to this girl and saying like, I want you to please write it for me. Like I want to still read it. And she would she would say like, that's all I need. Like I don't, I don't care about the flamers. All I need is for someone to say that they want to read my content. And so like I've kind of got like most of my mindset i think if it were to come down to it would probably pull from that one quizilla fan fiction writer that i befriended at the age of 13. oh that's so heartfelt yes but i did try to shit on the flamer and i was not eloquent as a 13 year old so then i just got attacked instead so, <laughs> so i'm not i'm not very uh, i'm not very generous, but uh i learned my lesson which is like you know just do what you love and don't care about the flamers because you know, they're probably just out to bully 13 year olds. Yeah. You know, you want to know this might sound really messed up. A couple of weeks ago, I got my first downvote on a video. And you <gasps> know what? Oh, now, wait, wait. You might think that rattles your confidence. I don't know if I'm sick in the head. I was like, holy shit, someone saw my video and didn't like it. That means they're not one of my friends because I don't think my friends are that savage or that mean which means this video reached a total stranger. They watched it and they downvoted it. Holy shit, I need to keep making more. Am I sick in the head for thinking that way? Yes! How? <laughs> How did you get that? I, I literally, like, my mo- I, the second I saw that downvote, I was like, oh my, like, I literally thought to myself, this means that a stranger has seen this video. Somehow, someway, this got into their feed and they clicked it. They didn't like it, but it got there. And do you know how hard it is to get into random people's feeds in YouTube? Me and Tarush talked about this. It's fucking impossible. That algorithm is all about showing you more of what you like and blocking out everything else. That immediately motivated me to keep making more videos. I'm really bad in the head. 
or or you're just like a very optimistic and positive thinker and we should all be aspiring to yeah. be like whatever. I'm just I'm just sadistic. I just but, I'm just gonna think about that thirteen year old fan fiction writer and be like, Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> But for me, like, um, so obviously I already get to kind of see some feedback on my videos because they're already out there. And I have very, very low viewer and subscriber counts. And again, you might ask, does that rattle your confidence? The answer again is no, because to me, it's not about, was I excited when like, again, it's entering random people's feeds? Yes, that fills you with a good feeling. But that's not why I'm making the videos. I'm making them in part, do I wish I could get big and get famous and making my career? Of course. Pipeline dream. Everybody wants that. But that can't be the only reason you do this or you're going to let yourself down. I make them for me. I make them for my friends, for the people I game with, especially like all the multiplayer games like Among Us. I love sharing like everyone who was in the lobby, like here, check out the video. Like you had some, you had a funny moment here and you had a funny moment there. You got to see this. You got to see yourself. It's great. And that's what really drives me is the good feeling I get when I publish a video. Like I did that. The guy who has only had less than a year of video editing and uh, content creation experience made that. Now I'm going to toot my own horn here. I think I make pretty good shit for a guy who is on a basic ass setup and has little to no experience. I think I make pretty good stuff. Again, it's it's all that intrinsic motivation and to help bring me closer to my friends because there is no better way to bond with people than to laugh over the same thing. Oh, 100%. And like, yes, you can toot your own horn, but uh, you do make really fun content. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm like watching what we've laughed about in the past and reminiscing or if it's just in a fresh set of eyes, I'm like, oh, that's legitimately funny. Like, I think I'm biased to think it's funny, but you know, I do genuinely think when I've seen videos where like I'm not a part of them that you're incredibly funny and that's why when originally I'd said oh yeah you should totally make content it's because I could see you making that content and doing well not being sad or upset or like flagging behind because you know you you couldn't like muster up the confidence for it because you have confidence in, in like leagues you know uh and that confidence and your attitude and your optim like your optimism it just shines through in your videos. And so like I think I think it's definitely like your attitude towards content creation that helps you with getting past the hate if you do ever end up getting hate, which I will be there to defend you against all those flamers, just like I was when I was thirteen. You are <laughs> you're more well prepared now, Andy. You can take them on. <laughs> I can take them, but I genuinely think that like you know, as long as you're doing what you love and you don't let the hate get to you, then you're going to have a good time. But I, I definitely think that there is a psychological harm to receiving hate on the internet. I feel like the internet has gotten better, but in the same time also gotten worse on a large scale. Uh, you know, we've all evolved over the course of the past few years. But, you know, just reminiscing on the toxicity episode that we mentioned about, like, moderation and girl gaming, uh, receiving, like, a few hate comments in the spur of the moment, if you're live, sucks. Like, you know, you can't get through that. But if you're creating content afterwards and you see someone like leave hate comments, it's a little bit easier to to either see where they're coming from or prepare a response or hype yourself up and say, no, nah, it's okay. It's just one comment. And so I think that like definitely with the specific type of content that you create, there's um, a lot more room to receive content or sorry, to receive comments about the content that is negative and be okay with it. I agree with that. 
And the last thing that I want to ask you is, uh, before we move on to more how you get like your motivation, inspiration in your daily life, I'm sure you've experienced this. I've experienced a, it's a general term that I think applies to both of us, writer's block, where you just, what, what do I do next? How do I get over this hump? Like, I have no idea what I should put out, what I should put pen to paper. What's your methodology for getting past that point where I really just don't know how to continue here? Oh God. Um, so there's a lot of different things, but I feel like we create, like we create different content. So when I have writer's block, it's legitimate. Oh, I don't know how to write this next scene. Oh no, I don't know where the direction's going. Oh no, how does this character talk? Like I legitimately blank. Um, so I have different methods of like getting past that and kind of being productive in a creative outlet. Whereas I feel like if you have writer's block, I- I'm not really sure what that looks like for you. For me, writer's block is, I don't know what I should record next. What should my next video be? Like something like Minecraft sometimes, I've just beat the Ender Dragon, which everything has so far in my series has been building to that moment. That video will be live soon. After that, the game becomes more sandboxy where there's a lot you can do, but what should you do? And the way I get through it is, what would I want to see somebody do? What stupid thing would I want to see somebody do on a Minecraft server? Or if it's a different game, I actually have decided uh, one game that Epic Games recently gave for free that I'm making a video on and maybe more. They gave us Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 for <gasps> free. Yes. What? Yes, that game was my... For those of you who are too young, Roller Coaster <laughs> Tycoon 3 was the sandbox game. Before Minecraft existed, this was the best sandbox game ever. I think it's number two behind Minecraft. Like Minecraft's on throne, dethrone, D not dethronable, double negative. It's number one. This game though, I've started playing it again. Oh my God, it's so much fun. I remember why I played it as a kid. And that feeling like I need to make a video for this. I need to like bring this energy straight to the camera because this game is too good to not make a video for. Dude, I spent like hours on Roller Coaster Tycoon and Zoo Tycoon and SeaWorld Tycoon. Oh my God. So many tycoons. But like that game, I'm so hyped to make the video for that game. I'm finishing the Minecraft edit because I want to get the Ender Dragon up that we're doing Roller Coaster Tycoon. Dude, I'm so excited. Please, please send me a notification. Oh, oh, I will. (laughs) But yeah, that's where, that's how I get through the writer's block. It's usually it's, I don't know what to make next. And you need to, it is sometimes you got to wait for the lightning. Sometimes you have to force it a little bit. I forced it once or twice. And I still usually make a good video, not a great video though. So it's about finding what brings you all that joy. It's like, oh my God. And then immediately like, don't wait, pivot right into the video. Like this needs to be a video. And so, sometimes it actually goes the other way where games that used to give you that feeling don't anymore. And you, you need to stop. Fortnite, I used to love it. I stopped making Fortnite videos though because I can't get behind that game anymore. It's not fun to play and it's going to come through in my content if I try. So I just stopped. It's like almost like reverse. I don't know if it's reverse writer's block where you force yourself to do it, even though you're not, you're not actually overcoming a block you're overcoming a hatred and that's not going to result in something good. I don't know if that's making any sense. No, that totally makes sense. I can only imagine all of those Among Us streamers right now, day in, day out, playing Among Us. It's a fun game, don't get me wrong, but even I got tired of Among Us. Like, There's only so much head bashing you can do in such a confined space. Like, I'm, like thank goodness Cyberpunk came out, but because I feel like a lot of people needed a break from Among Us, but people have been playing Among Us for like five or six months. Yeah, funny enough, what saved Among Us content, I think, is some guy created a proximity chat mod, and the game, it opens up, um, from a content perspective, gameplay is still the same. Well, actually, no, it's very better. 
from a content perspective, that game, the sky is the limit now because of this proximity chat mod. Have you seen oh like uh, Valkyrie's Babushka? No, I haven't. Oh my God, you need to look this up. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It would not have been possible without proximity chat. It literally spawned a thread. Like a, a, there's probably a Reddit thread dedicated to this now. That's how like funny it was and how in the moment it was. And there's also modders keep adding to the game. I think modders are saving this game on a content perspective because they're adding new ways to play. If we ever play Among Us again, we need to do it with some of these mods because they completely change how it's played. Oh, 100%. I had no idea. Oh, man. Well, that's another way to get over writer's block, mods. <laughs> and that applies to writing too. Just mod your book. Just mod your book. Yeah. You wanted to add all of all the things are diamond? There you go. I Boom. think, would you say modding your book is just fan fiction? No. <laughs> no. Wait, is it not? Wait a minute. <laughs> Fan oh, fiction is the literature equivalent of modding your game. <laughs> Holy shit. Is it not? Harry Potter all of a sudden is like uber rich and smart? What? Is that not a mod? Harry oh. Potter's Ravenclaw? Is that not a mod? Oh, have you installed the Harry Potter mod pack? There's a Harry Potter mod? No, 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 <laughs> Harry no, 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 Potter no, 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 Marvel no. crossover is just a Marvel mod on Harry Potter. Oh, and you, why do you come up with all these crazy revelations? I'm sorry. I don't even know record? if it's, I don't even know it's, if it's a novel idea. I, everything just boils down to fan fiction in my head. I hate to put that out on the internet, but it's there now. Uh, <laughs> okay, time out. Fan fiction doesn't all, for those of you listening, fan fiction does not always mean fan fiction. There's, there are legitimate <laughs> fan fictions out there. Oh my gosh. I've, uh, I mean, oftentimes it might have adult themes, you know, and you can skip those. You can skip those. For instance, oh, that's okay. We, okay. Matt, I specifically recommend and request that we do a fan fiction episode because I have a lot of thoughts about this topic. Oh, but I nice. digress. I digress. Uh, there, there's a lot you can do with that. And I think this comes back to writer's block. Fan fiction is a great alternative. I personally do not write fan fiction. I do read a lot of fan fiction. And I like just because I'm there, there's a lot to go with the writing process of character development and defining who the characters are and introducing them. And that gets boring to me after a while because when I like a character or I like a set of, you know, events, I want to see that, but now in a new light, or I want to see that, but what if something different happened, you know, alternate universes and that helps get over the creativity. Cause all of a sudden new, like it's a new thing, new scenario, what happens? And it's kind of like, um, you know, you keep quizzing yourself, you keep testing yourself, and eventually you find something that you like, and you're now motivated to write about that in your book. And all of a sudden, it's not it's not fan, and it's canon. I think there's a lot to be said about that. But um, I don't want to talk about uh, fan fiction too much, because if you're writing a book, it's not fan fiction, it's just exercises. Uh <laughs> it will be fan fi there will be fan fiction one day, though. <gasps> That's actually my mo my number one motivation. Uh, the only reason I'm writing a book is so I can read fan fiction of it afterwards. <laughs> I'm just writing a book and saying, hey guys, here's some characters that I now know you love very intimately. Please give me content to read at home. And that's the only reason. I'm writing to optimize my reading in the future. Ah, I am I also am. creating content so people will make the fan fiction about me. No, no, don't do, don't do that. Do not do that. I don't want. Yeah. I don't know who's listening to this, but I know what the internet is capable of. Do not uh, do that. Real person fiction. I hate it. I hate it. Anyway, no. Okay, that's a different. Okay, we're we're getting really yeah, off topic. So far off anyway, topic. 
motivation, back to inspiration, motivation for me, before we finish everything up with that section is, you know, or not motivation, inspiration. I think the topic was like, how do you get out of your writer's block or yeah. your rut? And so I guess in a method sense, if I wanted to get out of my writer's block, I have many options. One of them is just start a different bit of fiction. Eventually, like I'll get back to the one I'm currently writing, but until then, I might as well keep being creative and eventually something will spark inspiration. So that's one. Uh, another one that I do often is when I'm writing something out, I will summarize and kind of like leave a blank space so that I can keep with my momentum when I'm writing. If I'm like, I don't know what to name this thing, I will use square brackets and say insert name later and I'll just keep going. Um, when it comes down to it and like writer's block in the terms of like, I'm not motivated to do this thing that I'm writing. I just, sometimes I just don't do it. And that's kind of like the beauty of, you know, writing for fun is that you don't have to do it when you don't want to. Whereas with like content creation and having a following, it's definitely a lot more strict of a schedule. And so uh, I feel like you at least have it a lot harder when it comes to, you know, trying to get content out if you want to have it on a schedule. I think Tarush might have talked about this. And if he didn't, then I've definitely talked about it with him. But one of the best ways to get a big following and get people to watch and listen to your content is have a very strict schedule so that they know when to watch your content so that, you know, it kind of becomes a routine. After 21 days, it's a habit. And so if you give people a reason to come back to your content and you give people the opportunity to come back at a specific time, they will. And so with content creation in your case, it, it's definitely a lot more drastic when it when you do get your writer's block and you do get your, you know, motivation block than it is for my case where I'm just writing for fun and I just have an end goal in sight of like, you know, by the time I'm X age, I want this done. And it gets it gets a lot tougher when it gets like closer to that date, but until then, I'm just kind of like going at my own pace, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I, because I'm so small on YouTube right now, I don't feel like I need a schedule yet. I There are a couple of people who are probably sub to me that are total randos, but they're not w- waiting on my content with bated breath. If I ever start getting bigger, though, then I I can't have writer's block. If I ever get to a point where I'm developing a following, you need to keep publishing. And I a lot of podcasts I listen to have said, people who are big have said, like, I, I had to keep going. Even if I didn't want to, I had to keep going. So part, I still oh, want yeah. to get big, but if that day ever comes, I can't say I'm looking forward to that day specifically. And there's a lot of fear in losing your momentum when mm. you get big. Like I can think of so many people that haven't taken breaks in years because they're afraid that if they take a week off, like they won't, people won't return. Literally, like that guy Musel, the one who really inspired me, he talked about in a podcast, like how in his younger years he had like. It was not a choice in his head. Looking back, he thinks he probably could have stopped. But at that moment, he's like, I can't. I have to publish something or else. Or else what? But there, there was no, like, the or what was, I lose my whole following. Which is ridiculous, of course, in hindsight. But I feel like I would feel a very similar way to him. Where even though I probably could take a date, like, let's assume I'm at, I don't know, 250K subs where I'm starting to gain some momentum. I feel like I have to. I have to publish. I probably don't have to, but... If I ever reach that point, Andy, you're going to have to convince me why I need to take a break. You're going to have to because I won't be able to convince myself of it. Your health and wellness and your friends miss you. Oh, all right. I'll stop. (laughs) All right. I I think we spend enough time on our content. Now we're going to pivot into more of our daily lives. Now I want to preface this. We're not going to get too deep as to what we do, where we work if we don't want to because 
some of us are under NDAs, um, it can't get personal, slash do our companies want to be associated with this podcast? There's a lot of questions there that I don't know the answer to, so I'm going to be rather vague with what I do when describing that. Uh, but I will describe what my job and stuff like that, where I get my motivation with my career, how I get through the stressful days. Andy, I don't know if you're going to be similar to me. Sure, I can do that. You first, though. All right, so we're going to move on now into our actual life. And the first thing is, what, Andy, I'm going to ask you this first, or if you want to ask me first, like what motivates us to put our best foot forward? whether that be your job, your career, your day-to-day, or relationships? Oh, gosh. Um, let's ask you that first. Yeah, what what makes you – how about this, though? Let me rephrase the question. What makes you, like, get up every morning? Interesting. Is that not technically what puts your best foot forward? Like, how, what makes you get up in the morning? Hmm. What makes you do what you do? This is going to sound maybe a little weird. It's I'm excited for what the day is going to bring. I found even during COVID, I've had some very unique days, whether that's because I'm in a brand new job or in a brand new city or I'm playing brand new games or I'm reading a brand new book. There is something exciting to look forward to that day, even the days that are going to be very boring. So for example, Christmas just happened. You might say, why is, I'm Jewish, so Christmas is boring for me. <laughs> do you know what I, you know what I did that? You do honestly know did what I did. Did you eat Chinese on- food and watch movies? Not move. I ate Chinese food, but you know what I did that I hadn't done yet? I watched all of season two of The Mandalorian. Bravo. So did my brother. And he's Ex- Christian. He's, we're not even Christian. We just celebrate the capitalist Christmas. Exactly. So I had no idea at the start of that day I was going to watch. I had watched the whole day. I watched, I think, five or six episodes and then finished it the next day. There was no way of knowing that day was going to bring that, but that's where it led. There is always something new and exciting, and that's what gets me up every day in the morning, I'd say. It's, I am ready for what today brings. I'm excited. today. There's going to be something. It could be maybe a standard day or a crazy out of the field day, but there's something that's going to happen today that I'm excited for. That's really sweet. I like that. And then I guess going more checklist item by checklist for my job. I can't, I don't want, I can't say what I'm building. I'm an engineer. That's all you need to know. And I work for a health tech company. That's probably as far as I can go. But what I'm building is very unique. It's never been seen before. Once it's, I'll talk about it more on this podcast once it actually drops to the market and I can dissect it a bit more with the permission of my boss, of course. But I am super motivated to be building something that does not exist. That is a really surreal feeling to have. On top of that, my boss, he has given me so much and so many opportunities. I don't know if he's listening to this. It's going to be a little corny if he does, but I don't feel like I owe him, but I want to, like, I want to give him just as much as he given me. I can't even explain. It. It's not like a feeling of guilt or a quid pro quo tit for tat. It's I want to give you as much as you give me, and I don't know how else to describe it beyond that, you know? Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Like, you kind of feel like you want, not even want to impress someone, but you want to put whatever you can out there because they've put whatever they can out there and you kind of want to meet them halfway yeah, just like, to show like respect or gratitude. Yeah, like, that's it. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, this is the only, how do I, I'm showing my thanks. It almost sounds like what we're ready to say. Thank you. But like, like, thank you. Like don't, like, I can't even put it to words. Like I want to do the best job I possibly can for him. He's a good, he's a very good leader. I will say that he motivates me to want to be a good engineer. So that's kudos, awesome. kudos to him. And then I guess in my no. career, I'm oh, sorry, I know I cut you off. No, that's great. Like having a good boss is a great motivator to actually get stuff done. Mm-hmm. No doubt. How about you? We'll come back to me. We'll, we'll, we'll ping pong here a little bit. I want to ask you <laughs> ping now. Pong. Uh, yeah. So that first step out of bed. Yeah. That first step uh, out yeah, of bed. Yeah. 
First step out of bed in the morning. Um, so I was mentioning this to you earlier because uh, we talked for three hours before the podcast. But uh, one of the things I mentioned was that I have been trying to get up at 7 a.m. every single day for the past like two or three weeks. Um, the week or two before Christmas, I was pretty consistent with it. Um, and one of the things that I like to do is I leave my window like blinds open so that I can like see out into the uh, we face uh, rise in the east. We face east, so uh, I get the sunrise in the morning. And because I have my blinds open, because you know I'm an exhibitionist, uh, <laughs> I live in suburbia, Maryland. This is the only excitement I have. My mother makes fun of me for it all the time because she's like, "I can see it to your room from the out street." And uh, yeah, it's funny. But when I wake up at 7 a.m. and I open my eyes to turn off my alarm clock on my phone, and I look over and I see that the sun hasn't risen yet. But we're getting like the bare peaks and we see and I see like beautiful pinks sometimes because sunri sunrises are a lot harder to be like to see at the right moment than sunsets because sunsets go on for longer, I feel like, or at least like you can catch them at more opportune moments. But sunrises themselves, there's a good sweet spot for a good five minutes. And then after that, it's just kind of gray. But when you hit that sweet spot, so pretty and one of the things that motivates me to get up in the morning is i want to get up before the day starts so i have more time before the day starts to do things and that's it i i don't want to do anything i don't have anything to do but i want to get up to say if i wanted to do something i could because i have the time i don't the thing that motivates me is running out of time for the day and not having done things that I wanted to do, even if I didn't have anything planned. So I, the opportunity to do stuff is what motivates me to get up, even if it's to it, sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee or, or uh, to play with my dog or go on a walk or, you know what, I have time to go on a run if I want to, you know, or be early for something if I want to or get work done if I want to. Like just if I want to, like if I wake up at 7 a.m., then I have the opportunity to do it. No one else is awake right now. So. Yeah, I think that that's like a huge motivator is just early bird gets the warm style, but like no one can catch me. I'm too fast. I'm already awake and I've had two cups. Let's go. So I guess I guess you could say sunrises motivate me. Basically, like they threaten me. Sunrises <laughs> threaten me to get out of bed because they're like, mm, you didn't start the day yet. You said you'd start. And so like just saying like, just start your day right now. Like, I don't know. It just gets me up. Uh, and another thing is like, the feeling of being on the East Coast when everyone else is on the West Coast, so good. Especially when I wake up at 7 a.m., so good. I have five hours before anyone's awake. Like, that that five hours, I could get a head start on everyone or I could, you know, mess around and do nothing and it would have no impact on me. That is a huge motivator, just having more time. I think that's it. At the end of the day, the thing that gets me up is having more time to do stuff that I might want to do, which sounds backwards, but I love opportunity. You know, I hate commitment. So, uh, like, committing to an idea. I hate committing to, like, going doing something. But as soon as I'm committed, like, I'm, I'm 100% there. Like, Seattle, for instance. But yeah. that's one thing. Okay, what's the next question? I keep, right. I keep, I don't know how to end this, so. So, that's your best foot forward in general. Now, what motivates you to put your best foot forward at your job? Like I said, for me, it was I'm building something really cool and unique. That like that drives me. Like I am building something that no one has ever built before. I am a unique engineer, and my boss. I I, I say I guess the only way I can say it is like I need to. I want to show my thanks, and the only way I can do that is by being the best employee I can. It goes deeper than that, and I can't put it to words. How about you? For your job, what motivates you to put your best foot forward? Oh man, so 
That's a good question. I think we have different jobs. Uh, so background on this, I am an engineer, but I'm a computer science person. I'm a software engineer. And so a lot of my day is based in coding. And I'm not saying that like yours isn't. I'm pretty sure you do code as often, but you're more mechanical. Is that correct? Yeah, I do a lot less code and a lot more basic code than you. I, yeah, I so I, I code pretty much like four hours a day on a like a medium-sized day. Some days I do only like two hours, but every single day I have to have like a, a editor open, um, like a VS code. I have to have VS code open pretty much like most of the day. Um, I think it's different for me because I work at a bigger company and I am working on something that's kind of established. Uh, nothing's new about what I'm making and it definitely feels like we're shoving a lot of new ideas or new content into places that just need to be you know made better like we just need to iterate on what currently exists instead of trying to shove new ideas into places and so it's a lot less exciting to make new things because it just sounds like it's going to make more problems in the long run so for me that that isn't a huge motivator i think what definitely motivates me is the responsibility opportunities that I get every single day from having the job and ha from having the position that I have. So I was promoted back in February at my job. So now I'm like a higher level engineer, but I'm, thank you, thank you. But uh, I'm not a senior level engineer yet. And so with that promotion comes more responsibilities of like project management and being able to uh, scope out engineering work, um, lead small teams potentially, uh, go out of my way to better our code base, better the system, come up with better ideas, uh, basically take more responsibility. And the thing that motivated me before I was promoted was the promotion itself to prove that I could. But then after the after the promotion, I needed to figure out what new thing could motivate me. And what I realized was that like, you know, I had it in me all along. Ha <laughs> ha, no imposter syndrome. Uh, I got rid of that because I got promoted. Like it, it just kind of like fell off me like a, a used coat. I was done with the coat, ready to donate imposter syndrome to the next person. Um, but I needed a new motivation. And I think it boiled down to like the fear of letting people down when given this new responsibility. And it, uh, there can be negative motivators and they're not healthy in the long run. Like I think stress is a great motivator for me, but it's not positive at all. It's it definitely hurts your health in the long run. You can see burnout. So I do not recommend having stress as a motivator. It is good to you know get your butt going, you know jumpstart everything if you really need the motivation. If you need to get yourself out of a rut at work, but um, after a while, like it boiled down to I had a responsibility. I had things that I promised people I needed to do, and in order to actually go through and do the things at my job, I just need to like check off a list. So oftentimes, what motivates me is check going through a checklist and trying to finish up projects trying to wrap up projects um that's not to say i don't get joy out of my job i love architecting a code base i love coming up with a very sleek and beautiful design for a new system that we're making a new feature um i think those are all like really great perks to the type of career i have but the thing that motivates me to do my job is not disappointing my peers when I'm given responsibilities and like seeing it through to say, I did this responsibility and I did it the best that I could. And then the more than what you expected. I think like exceeding people's expectations and just living up to what I told them I would do and delivering very well to the point where they're like, yeah, I trust you. Like having that credibility and gaining that, uh, 
like influence on people, I think are huge motivators that I've recently come to terms with having. I know that feeling. It's like uh, nothing feels better than like a job well done. There is a rewarding feeling in when you put a bow on the project. I think that's it. It's just like, I just want to complete the project and I want to do it well. And that's really all the motivation I need to do the job. I know that feel. I definitely know that feeling. And also about having that responsibility. My boss gives me and my teammate a lot of leeway to operate. He says, like, I, I'd like my thing to have this. How you do it, I do not. Like, get, come up with all the ideas you want. He doesn't say, he will say, like, that's too pricey. Like, I need to sell this. But I'll be like, however much money you need to prototype, however much money you need, however many resources you need to make this a reality, assuming we could sell it for less down the line, do it. Try it. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. And I cannot let him down. When you give somebody that much freedom, you cannot, you can't take a, you can't take advantage of that freedom and be like, oh, I was going to sit back here and I'll throw something together at the very, no. When you have that much leeway, you need to, you don't abuse it. And I, I love that he gives us that much freedom. He's not breathing down our necks. It feels really good. That's amazing. Your job sounds great. Can I, I have do it? really like that <laughs> job. I, I, I'll be very honest here. Ask me two years ago. I thought for sure people lied about liking their jobs. I was convinced it was a lie they told themselves to make it through the day. I no longer believe that. I now am a believer that you can really like your job. Matt, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. But I'm again, so happy we, for you and your job girlfriend thing. <laughs> my job girl. Yes, my job. My job is my girlfriend, which is why I am alone. No, I'm alone because there's a goddamn pandemic right now and meeting new oh, people. Oh yeah, is hard. tell me about it. <laughs> All right, we're moving off topic again. Now I want to pivot a little bit. So instead of your job, what motivates you in your day to day? And I can go first if you want, or you can go first. Uh, well, I can go. What motivates me in my day to day? Coffee. <laughs> I oh, think God. coffee is a huge motivator. I swear to God, I this espresso machine has been a life changer. Oh, do you get the Breville? No, I got a different brand, but it's all uh, same same deal. I, I actually just got my dad a Breville so I can use it at home. It's great. I love Christmas. It just gifts to yourself that you give other people in your household so you can use them. Uh, <laughs> I, I gave my roommate a... Okay, this no. I'm going to time... I'm going to preempt this. I'm about to say something. It is not an innuendo. It is not an innuendo. <laughs> I'm going to finish the story. Are you putting it in the podcast? I'm putting it in the podcast. That's why I need to preface this. This is not an innuendo. I gave my uh-huh. roommate a great gift this year. So, mm-hmm. as you know... PlayStation 5s have been very hard to come by. One day, she's been trying to grab one for a while now. So she's like, can you help me out? I was like, sure. I'm on Walmart. I am refreshing the fuck out of the page like crazy. (laughs) I grabbed the PlayStation, got in my cart. I effectively snagged her a PlayStation 5. Wow. Yeah. So I I didn't buy it for her. I I like my roommate. I don't know if I like her that much, but (laughs) I I I managed to get her effectively a PS5. That was my gift to my roommate. And it felt very good. Wait, did you like buy it for her and everything? I like, I put, like, she Venmoed me the money for it, but like, I put it in my card. I put down my credit card because, like, we were going to risk losing that PS5. Okay. So, where's the innuendo with this, though? Oh, you might think, oh, I gave my roommate a great gift. Well, what did you give her? No. No. Uh, no. You have a very amicable relationship with your female roommate. Yes. Yes. That very good, very good way to put it. But continue, it's very so, you buy your PS5 and everything, yeah. Exactly. I'm the kind of guy who will secure you your PS5, ladies. I won't buy it for you, but I'll secure the fuck out of that PS5 for you. <laughs> uh, I have security. I have job security. I have, I have PS5 security. Mm, I've got job security and PS5 security. 
I can secure you that Walmart shit. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, so back to what motivates me for my day. I think coffee is a huge motivator. Bethesda is a huge motivator. Just like as a five-year plan, I think, where do I want to be in five years? And I highly recommend if you were to, you know, ever do anything in your life, think about your one-month plan, your one-year plan, and your five-year plan. What do you want to do for this month? What do you want to do for the next year? Where do you want to see yourself in five years? Uh, I don't do it regularly enough, but I definitely do rethink my five-year plan because uh, I'm on year one of my five-year plan. I'm starting on year two um, because, you know, I thought about it like January 15th or something. So in January 15th, 2021, I'm going to rethink what my next four years is going to look like. Eventually, like hopefully I'll see if I need to change my five-year plan. But when I came up with it this year, it was definitely, I want to not be coding every single day. I don't know what that'll look like. Um, I want to have published a novel or two. I want to be proud of that novel that I published. And, you know, I want to still have a good relationship with my friends and family. Uh, and I want to be ready for, like, whatever the next stage is in my life. And I want to be in Bethesda. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that, that was my five-year plan. I, I want to have an apartment in Bethesda or, or a condo, you know, you know, homeowner. But uh, uh, I think that that is a huge motivator. Just like thinking of Bethesda and Phil's Coffee in Bethesda, that's the good motivator. But I think the day-to-day motivation, I really love schedules. And this is going to sound so nerdy. I'm so sorry. I'm such a nerd. Uh, not even a nerd uh, or a geek. Just like I'm so studious. Or I love books. And I love writing in books. Not even like writing fiction. I love writing down what I'm doing for the day. And I love making a checklist and I do this for work. I do this for writing and I do this for my everyday. And so a good motivation for me to do my everyday life is just if if I need to like clean up something, if I'm in a rut and I need to clean something or if I'm in like uh, or if I have so much to do and I don't know where to start. What motivates me to actually start the thing I want to do is just writing a checklist and saying, OK, complete one thing. What's one thing I complete on this checklist? Like, OK, cool brush my teeth I go and do that thing uh, I do a lot of like shallow work before I do a bunch of deep work like um, you know spending an hour on writing or spending an hour practicing a musical instrument you know I just I write out a checklist and eventually I get through the day and I enjoy my day but what motivated me to enjoy my day was checking things off of the list so I think I think those are some some things that motivate me I respect And they're I, very I, benign. They're so benign. It's not like this grand thing that I think you might have, which is like, my friends motivate me and gratitude and love of the sun and everything's optimism and I'm a I'm a good boy, I am. No, I, I that's not me. I, I just give me some checklists and I'm good. You know? No, I respect I am a creature of habit, Andy. We were discussing this. Um habit so every morning you can guarantee I'm going to wake up and have a coffee. Uh, you could bet money. You will always win money if you make that bet always on me. Back in undergrad, I said this to you. If somebody wanted to kill me and they need to like map out my pathing to figure out what's the best time to take me out, they would not have a hard time doing that. I could, <laughs> I could, at any given semester, I could have told you down to the minute where I was going to be when. Almost guaranteed. Almost. So like every once in a while, like there was a day that threw like a little curveball in there, like this meeting or that meeting, but all's the same creature of habit. So I... I really like that. Like I'd establish like, we're going to do this. It's on the docket for today. Sounds like, a, like uh, sounds like I'm in a goddamn courtroom, my daily life, but it feels really good having a schedule. 
Yo, schedules are so nice. Yo, I have to send you a picture. Okay, off topic. I have to send you a picture of the reason why I've been writing my schedules. It's so nice. And it works with like ruled paper. Like, you know, college ruled paper. I, I don't know if that's a novel thing for you. But I am... I am the type of person that aspires to be a doc grid journaler and just does not have the time to put energy and effort into making a nice doc grid journal agenda as much as I want to. And so I've been trying to figure out a best way to like make a like a task to do schedule whatever list. Um, and so I found a new way and I, I need to I need to send you a picture. You might you might enjoy it. Oh, but that's okay. me and my checklists. So <laughs> Yes. All right. So well, let's move on to me. Yes, I. Uh, let's move on to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're you motivate you, I think. Uh, I do really motivate myself, but in my day to day, I think I say a little bit. Like every day brings something exciting, so I'm excited for what that. I'm excited for the exciting things. Get a th I need a thesaurus. That's what I, that's what my Hanukkah present should have been this year. But anyway, only one, not eight. We'll just chop up the thesaurus into eight little bits. Exactly. There's eight days of Hanukkah, right? Exactly. That I can get okay. <laughs> one eighth of the thesaurus every night. I'm just going to glue it back together, and I'll have my thesaurus. <laughs> but anyway, another thing that really motivates me my day to day. I don't know if this will be dark, but it's I don't want to be unhappy. I want to make sure I'm doing something every day that contributes to me either making sure I'm happy or keeping myself happy because prior to my current job, about two years ago, I was in my first job. I was not happy. I was very miserable, actually. I didn't love the job. Living at home, which anyone, anyone who is a recent college graduate knows that when you have to go back to living at home, it is the fucking worst. You don't hate your parents. You don't hate your family, but it's hard living at home when you've had- Yeah, you get rid of like your independence and initiative. There's no day-to-day -day activities. Yeah. So yeah, I was living at home, didn't love my job. I was not getting the best sleep. My friends were also all busy, so it wasn't like I was hanging out with people. Like Considering, considering the last four years, I had spent pretty much every day I was living with some of my best friends. It was a Pretty big 180. It was a downwards tumble in the stock market that is my life, in the stonk market of my life. Stonks. Yes. So I got, obviously, I went to graduate school. I got out of that job. And now I'm this job in a new city, loving life. Looking back, though, I never want to feel that way again. Ever, ever, ever. I can't handle it. My day to day, what motivates me in my day to day is obviously taking on the new exciting things that come, but also making sure that in my day to day, I'm taking the necessary steps to stay happy. And that almost sounds a little dark, a little twisted, like your entire life is making sure you're not miserable. That sounds horrible. But I've found as long as you are taking the correct steps towards your happiness, it's not a task. It's not a chore. You just need to make sure you're always taking those steps. So for example, I graduate college and I take a job that even going in, I wasn't sure I was going to love. Looking back in an isolated incident, I probably would have said no to the job and waited till I got something I really liked. I think that now, like, full picture, I still take it because it led me to where I am now type thing, butterfly effect, yada, yada. But every decision I make now, everything in my day-to-day -day is about making sure my happiness is preserved. And I don't make a single decision that will this lead to unhappiness or detrimental outcomes. I don't do it. And that's what really motivates me in my day-to-day, -day. along with facing all the exciting opportunities, is making sure that my day-to-day -day preserves my future, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Now I feel kind of bad for saying like, I asked my optimism and everything. Oh like no, I have a lot. Don't <laughs> wrong. I have a ton of optimism. Like, especially right now, I am living proof that you can go in one or two years from the worst of situations to the best of situations. It's very easy to turn things around. And now, 
holy shit, Andy, my mental state now compared to where I was two years ago is night and day. It's really scary. Love that. But it's, I love that. I, I did, even though that year sucked, I kept a positive mentality. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into a grad school. I'm going to get out of this job. I'm going to find a job I really like. Like I kept that mentality and it paid off. It, it did pay off and it paid I off loved, in the best of ways. I love that story. Just like from what you've been telling me, just the narrative itself of whatever your rock bottom is to whatever your, you know, sky's the limit is right now like that's that's a great narrative i love that you went through that not not that you were there at a, at a low point but you had to be at a low point to see where your high point is and i think like you've seen both and you're like only going up from here i'm so happy and proud i i can't honestly i really cannot explain like explain my happiness right now it's really crazy any like anyone who is unhappy i i feel bad for but, like who's been in my position and knows what I'm feeling, knows exactly what I'm talking about. It is yeah. a really surreal feeling. It really is. I've, I've definitely been there too, but I haven't been there for a long time. I think I am currently not at like the peak happiness I've ever been in. And I don't think I need to be in my peak happiness. Like I don't think happiness is a motivator for me, but I feel like that's because I was never at a rock bottom in like my my every day i always had like something to look forward to or some something that kept me going um and so like because i've never been in like i've never experienced what you've experienced i've never been in that kind of situation it's not something that is like i desire or something that motivates me even if like right now i'm not necessarily at my happiness or i'm not at my most exciting or you know there might be some disappointing things in my day-to-day um it's it's not a huge motivator because you know i always find it in something else and maybe that's my own version of optimism but um yeah no it's it's just really great that like you have that big drive of happiness and that you're able to like manifest that really in your everyday po- like the power we were talking about this like the power of positive thinking it, it power positive thinking. Uh, right. so speaking of those low days though this is a good point to pivot actually Obviously, we're both, I'd say we're both creatures of habit, like having that schedule where things go as planned. You're going to come across, though, those rough days and those rough months. I think a lot of people could testify that this year, especially, there were a couple of rough months there along the way. So I guess my question to you is, how do you tend to handle those rough days or months where things maybe don't all, they don't all come up Andy's way or there was a setback or this is not the best day on earth? So you know, from a person who, you know, is not chronically ill, not depressed, like I, I'm, I'm pretty much like in a good spot. If I have those rough dates, sometimes I just let them happen. I think that that's like the first thing that you should like, that everyone should really understand and start accepting is that sometimes those mental health days are necessary. Sometimes you do have some lows and you just can't get up. And sometimes like that's just a little mini burnout and acknowledging those days, letting them happen and then resetting sometimes is the best recipe for getting through that moment. So I guess that's the first thing. Um, But, you know, if it's a consistent thing, if it like starts stretching into like every single day and all of a sudden I haven't found the motivation to do that let me tell you about my checklist sir (laughs) oh man my creature of habit is really like shining through here but there were specific days where i think a good example that everyone can relate to is like i am a 
like I am a person that thrives in whatever environment I give myself. Like oftentimes you'll see me working in a different spot because I like ran out of energy in the one desk that I have or something like that. And so you'll see me working on a couch or you'll see me working outside. I just need to, you know, let the energy reset in my space or something like that. You know, like, I don't know, you get antsy after sitting in one position in bed. So you have to change kind of like that, but in your work environments. And so let's say um, for work environments, like you're working in your room all the time and all of a sudden, you know, your laundry piles up or you don't make your bed and you leave your trash out. You don't, you know, you know, your room starts becoming a mess. And so that to me, if I have nowhere else to go to do my work, all of a sudden, like I cannot do any work because everything else is bogging me down because my environment sucks. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to cleaning your room or clean or like just doing any kind of basic cleaning activity and motivation to do that. Hell no. No one has motivation to clean. Oh God. You're telling but me. The, yeah. Andy, but the one I, way I, I'm, I'm looking at a pile of clean oh, laundry no. right now, Andy, that I refuse. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, oh man. Um, but the way that I get through that is I list out all the things that is wrong that are wrong with my room. And I say, what's the easiest thing? And I do the shallow work first. Um, so whether that be, I need to really take these dishes downstairs. That is a small thing and I only need to do it once and then it's out of my room. You know, it's a very easily manageable thing and just breaking it up into smaller tasks um, eventually completes the bigger task. Like like uh, that fraction problem. You know how you do like, oh yeah, half plus um, a fourth plus an eighth plus a sixteenth plus a yada yada yada. You keep adding those up and doesn't it eventually equal one? Oh, uh, no, so uh, it's a math problem. What, what so- is that? Uh, yeah. If you do one half raised to the nth power, one half plus one half raised to the nth power continuously. So one half plus a quarter plus an eighth plus a sixteenth. That's that it. Con- that's it. It converges to one. So it's for those of you who don't know math that well. This, this I'm not actually calling you out because this is not average math. This is actually some. I just knew that there were some fractions that when you cut them all up, added it up to one, and I'm pretty sure that's all I needed to know. Yeah. So it's a series essentially. If you keep, if take a half and you keep cutting it in half and add that up through infinity, you will get the number one is how it works. And I like this yeah. analogy. I like this analogy. Thank you. Anyway, cut up your tasks and eventually you did them all. That's it. <laughs> That's true. It technically, okay. So the, oh, gosh, I'm going to be very computer science nerd, but I came up with my checklist methodology for going about my everyday life. I'm learning about Alan Turing and Turing complete and Turing machines. So I was taking a 400 level computer science theory class in college. And that's just to beef up my story. Let me tell you, mm. it was a very fun class. I enjoyed it. Um, and we were learning about Turing complete machines and what a Turing machine does. And they basically like, you know, create all these tickets and I forget what it does, but essentially after a while, it just, it'll go through all the tasks. And if it reaches the end of the tape, then it's considered Turing complete. And that's like nothing gets stuck in a loop. Nothing gets stuck um, in the code base. And so, you know, a coding exercise, or sorry, not coding exercise, a language will be considered Turing complete if it can complete that set of instructions the same as something else that's also Turing complete. Uh, That was a very basic understanding of, you know, Turing machines and everything. But uh, I really do have to study again. I would hate to get that wrong. But uh, I, I only studied it once and I kind of forgot it, like, you know, the entirety of the 1900s history class. Um, I mean, technically that's valid. It was in the 1900s. But um, 
So when I was imagining breaking up all of these bits of program and all of these tasks that you do into what you would put into a tape on a Turing machine, I was thinking, okay, there's this one task and then there's another task and then there's another task. And you just basically, one task will lead to the next and eventually you've completed your program. Eventually you've completed everything. And eventually things were complete. And it just, it doesn't make sense now that I'm saying these words out loud, but at the time I was like, ah, yes. If I wanted to complete something, I just make a list and eventually that will be complete. And so, yeah, I, I, that's what helps me get out of ruts. I realize that I really want to bring this back to what the main topic was, which is what happens when you have those blips of productivity or motivation. And if I want to be motivated, and the real thing is that you have to want to be motivated because you need to be motivated to write that checklist in the first place, uh, I think checklists are a really good way for me to get out of that. But- that's the, I like that's the thing. That's a good way to get through your day. Like, if it's a hard day, like you just you break it up. You take it in sections. You take it in stride. Exactly. What about you? I, I feel like I'm very much like the one man party for writing checklists to get through your day. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, when I have those bad day days versus months is going to be very different for me. So, if I have a bad day, it's going to go one of two ways. One, I'm going to ride it out. I very much so subscribe to the theory of this too shall pass. One bad day is not the end of the world. Even if your mental state's not the best, it's going to probably be over tomorrow. And that's assuming all things equal. Like, it's not like a constant, like, again, I'm blessed to be healthy and all that stuff. Like, my family's healthy. Sometimes you just have those bad, those down days where maybe something didn't quite work at the office and it, or it shakes your core a bit. Or uh, maybe just something bad happened that day. Like, ah, oh, this is just, I'm not, or it was just mentally, it's not your day. I can get through it. This too shall pass. The polar opposite thing that I'll do is I will force myself out of that bad mental state. So on Saturday, I believe it was, yes, I was in, I was a little bit of a bad day to start out. Nothing bad had happened. I just woke up like, no, my roommate was gone. Everyone was gone. No one was around. Everyone's celebrating the holidays. No one's texting. No one's playing video games. When I forced myself to do that day, I forced myself to go on a hike. I said, fuck, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm getting out of this bed. I'm putting on the pants. I'm going on that hike. It, it took effort. It took a fair amount of effort to get myself out that door. Several times I was like, do I really want to do it? It's 15 minutes away. It, it's, it's already getting kind of dark. I kept, I kept having to push through. And that is, it is hard to push past the mental block, which is why when it comes to months, when I have those bad months, I'll be brutally honest here. I usually need help getting through the bad months. I can't usually pull myself out of it. So there have been two situations where I've been in bad months. I, I would go as far as to say a rut. First time was my first job. Like I was just not in the good mental headspace. I helped other people help me. So like, obviously I applied to grad school, so I had to put in the work. But like, I, I almost felt like I, it was really weird. I felt like I had to get revenge on life itself. So that's what got me through the uh, preparing for grad school and the GREs and all that. And then once I finally got accepted, they, a grad, I don't want to say which grad school, I don't want to brag. They pulled me out of the rut I was in. Like I helped, they, I helped me help them help me by doing my job so they could do their job and accept me. Then the second time I was in a really bad mental rut was end of April 20 this year going on May. Peak COVID, I'm in California. It's just, it's bad. Nothing is open. School is all online. The, the semester's winding down. I was going to bed, I think at 4 a.m. Every, every night and waking up at like 2 p.m. every morning. It was a bad sleep schedule. I wasn't going out. I was going on a couple runs to stay fit and that was really the peak of my day. My current boss, he offered me a job which I had to pack all my shit up, leave California, come to Austin to do this job, 
And like that really helped my, like it gave me something to do every day. It gave me a reason to get out of bed every day. It gave me something to work toward every day. Another reason why I owe my boss, by the way, he literally pulled me out of a bad mental rut. So I'm the type of person where if it's just one bad day, I can either ride it out or push through it. But if it's a bad couple months and I'm in a rut, I, I, I need that helping hand. And what I'll say to people who are listening is if you really find yourself in that place, I never had to ask for the helping hand, but don't be afraid to ask for the helping hand. You're not less of a person by saying, I, I need somebody's help here to get me through this. It's a sign. It takes a big person, man or woman, to make that request on a family member or a friend or even a total semi-stranger. Like, don't be afraid. Like, I'm the type of person who needs the help and I'm not afraid to ask for it. I'm blessed that I never had to ask for the help, but I'd be right there asking for it if I needed help getting out of that rut. Yeah, sometimes just like a good person is a great motivator. Like, I'm sure in the past few months, just getting to talk to you and all of our friends again just is a good way to get me doing something for the day. Sometimes I wouldn't have done anything but play games with you guys. Sometimes just playing video games with people can get you out of rut. Sometimes writing or drawing or going on Pinterest, I highly recommend going on Pinterest, can just like get you doing something and potentially get some motivation back. But 100% just finding someone to help you out. I've definitely used that a lot of times and it's helped me out. Yeah, I'll be honest. You... You, Brad, Chris, Tarouche, you there I've had those days where you guys have helped me through the day. And I, I, I couldn't give you a, exa- a specific example because I tend not to remember those days, but I, I thank you guys for that. Like you play no small role in helping me get through the bad days. Any kind of Minecraft day, for sure. That was the only thing I did. I'm so glad it was that. I think that's a good place to leave it. That is, it sounds like a depressing note, but I think that we left it on a high note there. Like people helping people through the tough times. Well, isn't there like a, a birdie song that's like people help the people or something like that? That's, that's a good song. Sorry, the off topic. But yes, it's a great note to end on. Yes. All right. So on that note, we will end, of course, with the shameless plug. So as I said at the start, I am Matthew, a.k.a. I am the Deadly Showman. You can find me on YouTube. I'm the Deadly Showman there. One word spelled out. You can also find me at Twitter, at Deadly Showman. And I say this every time. The reason it's not at The Deadly Showman is because at The Deadly Showman was too long a Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram. I am The Deadly Showman there. And one of these days, Andy, I'm going to start doing Twitch, The Deadly Showman. I just got to find the motivation to start live streaming. Yo, it's scary. It's scary. Uh, You don't have to have the motivation. I I give you a pass. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I want to try it though. I know I'm going to sit there with a zero viewer count, maybe one or two. Doesn't matter. Just to give it a shot. And who knows, maybe (laughs) Mr. Beast will come through and donate $10,000 to me. (laughs) You know what my mom did for my first uh, live stream? She put it on and then went to bed so I would at least have one person there. Aww. Yeah, but she didn't want to watch it. She was just like, I'll just leave it open so you have at least one person. I'm not um, sure my mom would know how to navigate to my stream. <laughs> Luckily, my brother was home for that. But yeah, shameless poke for me. I'm Andy, uh, Rocket Lines, and I haven't changed any of my handles, but my Twitch <laughs> is Rocket Lines. So please find me at Twitch when I do go live eventually. My mom got me a ring light and a webcam, so hopefully I'll be streaming next year. I told myself this year I'd be streaming. Uh, It took until Christmas to get everything set up. But, you know, hopefully we'll have everything next year. I just need the motivation. Maybe I'll write myself a checklist. (gasps) We brought it full circle. We brought it full circle. You know, I was warned not to say this by the internet, but I think 2021 is going to be a good year. No. Knock on wood.
<laughs> hard knock about it. All right. And as always, to anyone listening, thank you for joining us. These podcasts, I don't know about you, Andy. It's been so much fun doing it with you. I'm not, this is not a dig on Tarouche, but it's been a ton of fun having you in the the third the third host chair. Yeah. Uh, love talking. Uh, everyone knows that I love talking. That's it. <laughs> love talking to you. How's that? I love talking to you too. So as everyone, thank you for joining us and we will see you on the next episode of The Rise. See ya.